0: Chapter Two of The Mysterious Island. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pietrnatte. The Mysterious Island by Jules Verne, translated by Stephen W. White. Chapter Two, An Episode of the Rebellion. The Engineer Cyrus Smith, Gideon Spilett, the Negro Neb, the Sailor Pencroft, the Youth Herbert an unexpected proposal rendezvous at ten o'clock p m departure in the storm they were neither professional aeronauts nor amateurs in aerial navigation whom the storm had thrown upon this coast they were prisoners of war whose audacity had suggested this extraordinary manner of escape a hundred times they would have perished a hundred times their torn balloon would have precipitated them into the abyss had not providence preserved them for a strange destiny and on the twentieth of march after having flown from richmond besieged by the troops of general ulysses grant they found themselves seven thousand miles from the virginia capital the principal stronghold of the secessionists during that terrible war their aerial voyage had lasted five days let us see by what curious circumstances this escape of prisoners was effected an escape which resulted in the catastrophe which we have seen this same year in the month of february eighteen sixty five in one of those surprises by which general grant though in vain endeavored to take richmond many of his officers were captured by the enemy and confined within the city one of the most distinguished of those taken was a federal staff officer named cyrus smith cyrus smith was a native of massachusetts an engineer by profession and a scientist of the first order to whom the government had given during the war the direction of the railways which played such a great strategic part during the war a true yankee thin bony lean about forty-five years old with streaks of grey appearing in his close-cut hair and heavy moustache he had one of those fine classical heads that seem as if made to be copied upon medals bright eyes a serious mouth and the air of a practised officer he was one of these engineers who began of his own wish with the pick and shovel as there are generals who have preferred to rise from the ranks thus while possessing inventive genius he had acquired manual dexterity and his muscles showed remarkable firmness he was as much a man of action as of study he moved without effort under the influence of a strong vitality and his sanguine temperament defied all misfortunes highly educated practical clear-headed this temperament was superb and always retaining his presence of mind he combined in the highest degree the three conditions whose union regulates the energy of men: activity of body strength of will and determination his motto might have been that of william of orange in the seventeenth century i can undertake without hope and persevere through failure cyrus smith was also the personification of courage he had been in every battle of the war after having begun under general grant with the illinois volunteers he had fought at paducah at belmont at pittsburgh landing at the siege of corinth at port gibson at the black river at chattanooga at the wilderness Upon the Potomac, everywhere with bravery, a soldier worthy of the general who said, I never counted my dead. And a hundred times Cyrus Smith would have been among the number of those whom the terrible grant did not count. But in these combats, though he never spared himself, fortune always favored him, until the time he was wounded and taken prisoner at the siege of Richmond. At the same time with Cyrus Smith, another important personage fell into the power of the Southerners this was no other than the hon gideon spilett reporter to the new york herald who had been detailed to follow the fortunes of the war with the armies of the south gideon spilett was of the race of astonishing chroniclers english or american such as stanley and the like who shrink from nothing in their endeavor to obtain exact information and to transmit it to their journal in the quickest manner the journals of the united states such as the new york herald are true powers and their delegates are persons of importance gideon spilett belonged in the first rank of these representatives a man of great merit energetic prompt and ready full of ideas having been all over the world soldier and artist vehement in counsel resolute in action thinking nothing of pain fatigue or danger when seeking information first for himself and afterwards for his journal a master of recondite information of the unpublished the unknown the impossible he was one of those cool observers who write amid the cannon balls reporting under the bullets and to whom all perils are welcome he also had been in all the battles in the front rank revolver in one hand and notebook in the other his pencil never trembling in the midst of a cannonade he did not tire the wires by incessant telegraphing like those who speak when they have nothing to say but each of his messages was short condensed clear and to the purpose for the rest he did not lack humor it was he who after the affair of black river wishing at any price to keep his place at the telegraph wicket in order to announce the result kept telegraphing for two hours the first chapters of the bible it cost the new york herald two thousand dollars but the new york herald had the first news gideon spilett was tall he was forty years old or more sandy colored whiskers encircled his face his eyes were clear lively and quick moving it was the eye of a man who was accustomed to take in everything at a glance strongly built he was tempered by all climates as a bar of steel is tempered by cold weather for ten years gideon spilett had been connected with the new york herald which he had enriched with his notes and his drawings as he wielded the pencil as well as the pen when captured he was making a description and a sketch of the battle the last words written in his note-book were these a southerner is aiming at me and-and gideon spilett was missed so following the invariable custom he escaped unscratched cyrus smith and gideon spilett who knew each other only by reputation were both taken to richmond the engineer recovered rapidly from his wound and it was during his convalescence that he met the reporter the two soon learned to appreciate each other soon their one aim was to rejoin the army of grant and fight again in the ranks for the preservation of the union the two americans had decided to avail themselves of any chance but although free to go and come within the city richmond was so closely guarded that an escape might be deemed impossible during this time cyrus smith was rejoined by a devoted servant this man was a negro born upon the engineer's estate of slave parents whom smith an abolitionist by conviction had long since freed the negro though free had no desire to leave his master for whom he would have given his life he was a man of thirty years vigorous agile adroit intelligent quick and self-possessed sometimes ingenious always smiling ready and honest he was named nebuchadnezzar but he answered to the nickname of neb when neb learned that his master had been taken prisoner he left massachusetts without waiting a moment arrived before richmond and by a ruse after having risked his life twenty times he was able to get within the besieged city the pleasure of Cyrus Smith on seeing again his servant, and the joy of Neb in finding his master cannot be expressed. But while he had been able to get into Richmond, it was much more difficult to get out, as the watch kept upon the Federal prisoners was very strict. It would require an extraordinary opportunity in order to attempt an escape with any chance of success. And that occasion not only did not present itself, but it was difficult to make meanwhile grant continued his energetic operations the victory of petersburg had been vigorously contested his forces reunited to those of butler had not as yet obtained any result before richmond and nothing indicated an early release to the prisoners the reporter whose tiresome captivity gave him no item worthy of note grew impatient he had but one idea to get out of richmond at any risk many times indeed he tried the experiment and was stopped by obstacles insurmountable meanwhile the siege continued and as the prisoners were anxious to escape in order to join the army of grant so there were certain of the besieged no less desirous to be free to join the army of the secessionists and among these was a certain jonathan foster who was a violent southerner in truth the confederates were no more able to get out of the city than the federal prisoners as the army of grant invested it around the mayor of richmond had not for some time been able to communicate with general lee and it was of the highest importance to make the latter aware of the situation of the city in order to hasten the march of the rescuing army this jonathan foster had conceived the idea of passing over the lines of the besiegers in a balloon and arriving by this means in the confederate camp the mayor authorized the undertaking. A balloon was made and placed at the disposal of Foster and five of his companions. They were provided with arms, as they might have to defend themselves in descending, and food, in case their aerial voyage should be prolonged. The departure of the balloon had been fixed for the 18th of March. It was to start in the night, and with a moderate breeze from the northeast, the party expected to arrive at the quarters of General Lee in a few hours but the wind from the northeast was not a mere breeze on the morning of the 18th there was every symptom of a storm and soon the tempest broke forth making it necessary for forster to defer his departure as it was impossible to risk the balloon and those whom it would carry to the fury of the elements the balloon inflated in the great square of richmond was already waiting for the first lull in the storm and throughout the city there was great vexation at the settled bad weather the night of the 19th and 20th passed but in the morning the storm was only developed in intensity and departure was impossible on this day cyrus smith was accosted in one of the streets of richmond by a man whom he did not know it was a sailor named pencroft aged from 35 to 40 years strongly built much sunburnt his eyes bright and glittering but with a good countenance this pencroff was a yankee who had sailed every sea and who had experienced every kind of extraordinary adventure that a two-legged being without wings could encounter it is needless to say that he was of an adventurous nature ready to dare anything and to be astonished at nothing pencroff in the early part of this year had come to richmond on business having with him herbert brown of new jersey a lad fifteen years old the son of Pencroft's captain and an orphan whom he loved as his own child not having left the city at the beginning of the siege he found himself to his great displeasure blocked he also had but one idea to get out he knew the reputation of the engineer and he knew with what impatience that determined man chafed at his restraint he did not therefore hesitate to address him without ceremony Mr. Smith, have you had enough of Richmond? The engineer looked fixedly at the man who spoke thus, us, and who added, in a low voice, Mr. Smith, do you want to escape? How? answered the engineer quickly, and it was evidently an inconsiderate reply, for he had not yet examined the man who spoke. Mr. Smith, do you want to escape? Who are you? he demanded in a cold voice. Pencroff made himself known. Sufficient replied Smith, and but what means do you propose to escape by this idle balloon, which is doing nothing and seems to me all ready to take us? The sailor had no need to finish his sentence. The engineer had understood all in a word. he seized Pencroft by the arm and hurried him to his house. There, the sailor explained his project, which in truth was simple enough. They risked only their lives in carrying it out the storm was at its height it is true but a skilful and daring engineer like smith would know well how to manage a balloon he himself would not have hesitated to have started had he known how with herbert of course he had seen many storms and he thought nothing of them cyrus smith listened to the sailor without saying a word but with glistening eyes this was the opportunity and he was not the man to let it escape him the project was very dangerous but it could be accomplished during the night in spite of the guards they might reach the balloon creep into the basket and then cut the lines which held it certainly they risked being shot but on the other hand they might succeed and but for this tempest but without this tempest the balloon would have been gone and the long-sought opportunity would not have been present i am not alone said smith at length how many would you want to take demanded the sailor two my friend spilett and my man Nab that would be three replied pencroff and with herbert and myself five well the balloon can carry six very well we will go said the engineer this we pledged the reporter who was not a man to retreat and who when the project was told him approved of it heartily what astonished him was that so simple a plan had not already occurred to himself as to neb he followed his master whenever his master wanted to go to-night then said pencroff tonight at ten o'clock replied smith and pray heaven that this storm does not abate before we get off Pencroft took leave of the engineer and returned to his lodging where he found young herbert brown this brave boy knew the plans of the sailor and he was not without a certain anxiety as to the result of the proposal to the engineer we see therefore five persons determined to throw themselves into the vortex of the storm the storm did not abate and neither jonathan foster nor his companions dreamed of confronting it in the frail basket the journey would be terrible the engineer feared but one thing that the balloon held to the ground and beaten down under the wind would be torn into a thousand pieces during many hours he wandered about the nearly deserted square watching the apparatus pencroff his hands in his pockets yawning like a man who is unable to kill time did the same but in reality he also feared that the balloon would be torn to pieces or break from its moorings and be carried off evening arrived and the night closed in dark and threatening thick masses of fog passed like clouds low down over the earth rain mingled with snow fell the weather was cold a sort of mist enveloped richmond it seemed as if in the face of this terrible tempest a truce had been agreed upon between the besiegers and the besieged and the cannon were silent before the heavy detonations of the storm the streets of the city were deserted it had not even seemed necessary in such weather to guard the square in which swung the balloon everything favored the departure of the prisoners but this voyage in the midst of the excited elements bad weather said pencroff holding his hat which the wind was trying to take off firmly to his head but pshaw it can't last all the same at half-past nine cyrus smith and his companions glided by different routes to the square which the gaslights extinguished by the wind left in profound darkness they could not see even the huge balloon as it lay pressed over against the ground besides the bags of ballast which held the cords of the net the basket was held down by a strong cable passed through a ring fastened in the pavement and the ends brought back on board the five prisoners came together at the basket they had not been discovered and such was the darkness that they could not see each other without saying a word four of them took their places in the basket while pencroff under the direction of the engineer unfastened successively the bundles of ballast it took but a few moments and then the sailor joined his companions the only thing that then held the balloon was the loop of the cable and cyrus smith had but to give the word for them to let it slip at that moment a dog leaped with a bound into the basket it was top the dog of the engineer who having broken his chain had followed his master cyrus smith fearing to add to the weight wanted to send the poor brood back but Pencroft said pshaw sure, it was but one more and at the same time threw overboard two bags of sand then slipping the cable the balloon shooting off in an oblique direction disappeared after having dashed its basket against two chimneys which it demolished in its rush then the storm burst upon them with frightful violence the engineer did not dare to descend through the night and when day dawned all sight of the earth was hidden by the mists it was not until five days later that the breaking of the clouds enabled them to see the vast sea extending below them lashed by the winds into a terrific fury we have seen how of these five men who started on the twentieth of march four were thrown four days later on a desert coast more than six thousand miles from this country and the one who was missing the one to whose rescue the four survivors had hurried was their leader cyrus smith End of chapter 2